Josh Bertaccini joining us, the voice of that part of the country. I've been waiting a long time for this. The moment you've been waiting for. JB, maybe you can do commentary live. And the show that everyone's been talking about. Not the game that I go out there and die for and play every game like it's my last. It's time for the real NWA JB. At least I work the place that you can find when you're looking for it. Follow, watch, and listen across social media at the real NWA JB. Okay, all right. Because it's all about the little things. Streaming live on YouTube, Podbean, and worldwide at therealnwajp.com. You were man on fire last night on the post game. Your boy is back. And that! This is primetime television here, folks. Here's your host, Josh Bertaccini. Digital Radio Wednesday. So good to have you in our multimedia sports content universe here. Team B Media bringing you the production work on the daily from our Bunker studio that we built up last summer. This thing is rolling for you now. And uh, I'm doing tours. I'm doing tours. Got to book them in advance. We don't have a lot of space. So as we show you around the facilities, just keep it moving. You know, some people like to linger. And then we have security issues and have to go get some folks to resolve that situation. But I want to go back to that right now. Tours to resume here later this month at the Bunker Studio. Happy Wednesday. Happy New Year. If you're jumping in on the conversation and you were not here for the first couple of shows of the new year, I mean, that's okay. It doesn't reflect great on you, but we'll let it go. We'll brush that off to the side. Uh, hit the ground running on Monday, getting you a feel for the college football playoffs, the se- semifinal games that actually ended up being absolutely as good as we were hoping they would be. And then turned around the corner yesterday and gave you a complete game breakdown and recaps on both. Of course, we're set now. It'll be a clash of 14-0 and teams competing for the title in the final tilts. Houston, baby. h We'll go to NRG Stadium on Monday night. That game's set for, what, an 8 o'clock start. Michigan favored by five points. That's a lot of points. I think I like Michigan with the defensive advantage to win the football game, but Penix is such a special player. You, you can't neutralize that fact. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. Looking forward to it. Next Monday, final college football game of the 2023-24 season. And then, of course, next year, we get to expand this thing up and take it to 12 teams in the playoff, which will probably not help the Arkansas Razorbacks in 2024. But at some point, whether it's in the next couple of years or the next couple of decades, Arkansas is going to be in that playoff field. And that'll be exciting in its own right. As it stands right now, I think you just hope some more games matter, right? Less games with players opting out would be really good. That has been a plague upon the sport. I think when you look at the big picture, it gets back to a lot of the the stuff that went down here in the last five, 10 years that we have now advanced into the minor leagues with college athletics and paying players and all the rest of it. I think you remember if you listen to me for any portion of time over my, you know, what, 16, 17 years of working in this state, I was very opposed to paying players openly in college sports. I value education. 
obviously spent a lot of time going to school myself in my life teaching school in my life, teaching college. I value education. But what I've seen is the value of that education get decreasingly prioritized by society and certainly by the sports world. And now we've lost the plot on that. You know how much an education is worth, literally. Over a lifetime, I remember reading this few years back, Time Magazine, saw a similar article in Forbes once. Over a lifetime, you got a four-year college degree, and it's just the facts, you're going to make generally about a million to a million and a quarter dollars more than the next person who doesn't have one. Now, that's over a lifetime. Think about that. And these days, with inflation the way it is in a Joe Biden economy, there's no way that you're going to be able to you know, do anything you want over 50 years on a million dollars. I mean, my goodness, think about it. It's like 20 grand a year. But that's something... And it's certainly at the least, you know, over most people's working careers, 30, 40 years, an extra 30, 40 grand a year. That's significant. Why does that happen? Because those folks tend to know more about the fields they're in, get more experience, spend more time in it, rise to the top. I don't know. I just feel like we have uh, we've let go of that. The whole idea of going to school to pursue a trade and a career in addition to sports is gone. And now really the bowl season, which is utterly and deeply, completely jumped the shark. just doesn't seem to matter anymore. I mean, have you been fired up for college football bowl season this year? Me neither. And it's not, I mean, it's part of it, but it's not because the perspective I'm talking from right now, it's not because Arkansas stinks. Just the games just aren't as fun. They don't matter as much. And so many players who are electing to opt out, it's um, it's disconcerting. How do you fix that? How do you get more players to actually compete in the games? I think you got to, first of all, you got to have less bowl games. Said that for years. We don't need 40 bowl games. And all these names, the Relia Zone, CarQuest, Pop-Tart, Upside Down Challenge, it's just goofy nonsense. We don't need it. So I would start by eliminating, you know, 10 to 15 bowl games with the money. Is there money there? Attendance is down significantly across the board. USA Today yesterday, it's about 20-30% decline in ticket sales. That's significant. It means one out of three, one out of four, one out of five people not going, not spending their money on bowl games this year. So I know we all love college football, and the Saturdays are great, and the regular season's awesome. But um, what we've got now is with the transfer portal in full effect, and I'm okay with some of that. With the NIL in full effect, okay with less of that. And then, you know, with, with players basically opting out of their own volition to either go to another school or get ready for the NFL draft, it's, uh, it's just not fun the way it used to be. It's certainly not sexy anymore. Was Florida State a sexy team in the bowl game last weekend, losing by 60 to Georgia? No. Now, if they'd had all their guys, they probably still would have lost by 30. I think that's the uh, flip side of that coin. Bigger picture, bowl season's got big problems. And college football, college athletics in general, have you know significant infrastructure problems as well. Do you pay the players? Do you not pay the players? Do you allow guys to transfer and gals to transfer and participate right away? Or do you hold them at bay longer? You force them to sit out for a year, which used to be the case all the time and, and kind of makes sense. 
the idea also that maybe you get one transfer if you really want it, but that's it. Okay. I mean, in a sport that is so fluid where the coaches move around a lot, you got to give the, the players some element of mobility. But you also want to make signing day matter and pledging to go play for a school matter. And, and that's another part of this problem, too. We talked about that with Richard Davenport, recruiting insider from the Dem Gazette on the show yesterday morning. He made a couple of really good points about that, that you've moved up signing day. You, you've taken away the January, February finishing touches. You've, you've taken away from some of the pizzazz and bright lights of bowl season because, you know, the real fans of the sport are turning to what players they're getting there in the third, fourth week of December instead of what bowl game's coming up. It's uh, it's troubling. There's a lot of factors right now that make you believe college football will never be the same. But you know what? What's ever the same in this life? Things evolve. They change, much like this sports radio platform of ours. If you can uh, evolve and adapt and make the changes, you survive and you succeed. And if you can't, you know what happens? You go the way of the dinosaurs. You go the way of radio stations. You go extinct. That's what happens. Got to lean into the future, my friends. Got to find ways to have some checks and balances there, too. I think the, the world of college football a little short right now on systemic you know, checks, balances, agreements for the betterness and the good of the sport. You could argue it's very American in a lot of ways, how college football has such an unbelievable upside, and yet there's so many things within it that could be so much better. I mean, I love this country. It's the best country ever, partially because we can have conversations like this, right? About how incredible our country is, and yet we could do a lot better. Certainly a lot of people struggling in this country, and uh, looking out for them the best we can is probably uh, probably not enough these days. But I digress. College football. Jump in the shark? What do you think? Bowl season certainly has. Talk some more about that as we work our way through. Just about, what, 10, 12 minutes into the mix. Bright and early. Live in the Bunker Studio. Team B Media Production coming at you. As we work on six months into this new operation of ours. And it's great to be with you in January here, 2024, on the right side of the ground, living and breathing and making moves in Northwest Arkansas with y'all as we get back into the swing this week. If you are headed back to work this morning or this week or whatever, good for you. Jumping on that grind and kiddos getting back to school too today and tomorrow and at the end of the week. So hope everyone had a nice holiday break. And a little bit of downtime. It was nice to get a few days off from the show and the whole operation as well on my side of things. And now we we hit the ground running. And we get after it here. And a brand new year with some incredible stuff coming your way in Team B Media. If you're already uh, in on the conversation, you're ahead of the curve here. And you're in a good spot for what's to come. A uh, lot of exciting stuff. Football. The focal point early as Michigan and Washington are now, what, five days away from the Final game of the season. Arkansas Razorback football gets another transfer yesterday. Jordan Anthony out of Texas A&M. Four-star receiver coming out of high school who did nothing last year as a freshman. Three catches for 14 yards. But another weapon. So you continue to keep an eye on that roster revamp. We talked a lot yesterday about K.J. Jefferson defecting for Central Florida. And Gus Malzahn after a Great run here. I think obviously a top 10 quarterback who's probably not um, going to get the props that he deserves. 
for what he went through. But KJ out, tailing Green in. You expect him to be the guy, him or Criswell. You have a nice quarterback competition in the spring here at Arkansas. Vinny Iyer in a bit. We'll talk some NFL playoff races with a senior football scribe from the Sporting News. Love talking with Vinny. And Jackson Collier, 8 o'clock from Rivals. Do a little hoopage. Speaking of basketball, it's a massive game on Saturday. We'll talk some more about this in the headlines in a moment. But Arkansas and Auburn coming up. we got a 1 o'clock start at Bud Walton Arena down the block. Of course, I'll be in the house. Trying to keep that multi-year perfect attendance streak going. Um, I don't know if I get extra points for that at the, at the end of the year, but I should. I thought the teachers gave you a extra love for that. Pretty cool. But anyway, uh, Arkansas and Auburn, 1 o'clock Saturday. It's a stripe out. Look at your sections. They're doing the red-white thing. Usually this stuff gets a little confusing, but it's going to be loud and rocking. And there's kind of rivalry that has developed here between these two teams. So this, this is an important game. We'll look at Arkansas's early season schedule and what the Hogs have in front of them when we get back on the other side of the commercial break as well. But basketball into conference play this week, and so our people's post-game shows are there for you. What? Ten minutes after every Arkansas Razorback basketball game on Saturdays for the next, what, 12, 13, 14, whatever. Three months straight, we'll be there every Saturday, ten minutes after the game ends, sounding off, waxing on the game with you, taking your calls, standout struggles, and more as we get it done. Streaming live on our website globally. Digital radio, heck of a thing, at therealnwhab.com. Making it happen on the Podbean app, YouTube, pretty cool as well. NFL spending billions to be there. Um, look, you got to choose where you want to be. You got to pick your options in this media universe in which we live and choose wisely because there's a lot of filler trash out there. And I think, you know, when you come here, you're not getting that. You at least know you're not getting that. All right, we're 15 minutes in. I'm going to hit a break. We'll come back. A lot going on. The Real NWAJB coming right back to the Bunker Studio. on board follow listen watch subscribe to this thing of ours at the real nwhab i think you'll be glad you did we have some fun with it don't we each and every day getting together for a better part of an hour and a half getting you the local feel for it what's going on in arkansas razorback land and through our northwest arkansas kind of sports perspective no other show in the state uh, for the last 20 years, it's been there for you like this every day, day in, day out. People bounce around. We try to stay as consistent as possible. I got my feet right here on the ground, right here in Northwest Arkansas, and uh, looking forward to the months and years ahead very, very much. Uh, the Real NWHAB in the mornings. People's Post Game Show coming at you. We'll go 3 o'clock ETA on Saturday. Just about two hours after every tip-off, all basketball season. I gotcha. Some tremendous folks bringing you our basketball season coverage. You hear 
Most of them uh, in our commercial breaks already. And uh, look, support them too, if you can. Northwest Arkansas, a great place for local business. And these people are bringing it here when it comes to the sports broadcasting. Coverage of your Arkansas Razorbacks, high school sports, and more. One o'clock tip. Auburn ranked 25th in the country. Arkansas not ranked. Hogs got Keon Menefield back halfway through December. In case you didn't notice, that was a huge influx of athleticism and talent. And I feel like, you know, you look at this Razorback basketball team now with Menefield in the mix, maybe the point guard conversation, maybe the debate about whether or not they need a true playmaker has lessened. I don't know if it's gone out the window, but it's lessened. Because you really don't need a creative point guard if you've got players who can get their own shots. And I look at this Arkansas Razorback basketball team right now, and I see a lot of guys who can go out there and get their own shots. Menafield is added to the mix. Traymond Mark is the best one-on-one player on the team. Caleb Battle, when he's right, again, as good an offensive player as there is on the team. Better attacker of the rack than Tremont Mark. Maybe not quite as good a jump shooter, but he got some offensive firepower. You're starting to see the pieces that Eric Musselman looks so closely at when he put this team together. And just because you got a lot of offensive firepower doesn't mean you're going to win a lot of games, but it goes a long way towards getting there. So Menafield, bouncy, high arcing shot, plays defense, can rebound, can handle and create. I think maybe now with his creation factor in the backboard, alongside that of Devo Davis, not that Devo is a true point guard either. It's just not. But those two guys in the same backcourt, Arkansas can do some stuff now in a basketball game against another team that um that give it an advantage. I mean, you don't have to have a pure playmaker to make an offense work, but you have to have guys who have some skip in their step, can initiate, can get past a defender, and look for an open teaming if he's able to uh, get free as well. Devo Davis has always been one of those guys. Keon Menafield appears to be one of those guys too. I'd like to see Traymond Mark continue to work on that aspect of his game, looking to facilitate for a teammate now and then. We know Traymond's the best shooter on the team. We've known that since that first game of the year against Purdue, the game Arkansas gets no credit for now, and yet everybody talks about Purdue being the best team in the country. That was a real basketball game. That was a great win for Arkansas. I'm not going to you know, just throw that game out. That's how the pundits want to look at that. Uh, it doesn't really count. Mm. If you were there, you watched that game. That was a real game. So you go to the Fayetteville Athletic Club, the Springdale Rec Center right now, the, you know, the Rogers uh, uh, Basketball Center, or whatever they call that place. To get out there for a game one of these days, basketball feels real. When guys are getting after it, you don't have to explain to me whether it's a real game or not, right? Like anybody can see that with half a brain. Nobody you understand sports. That was a real game between Arkansas and Purdue. But enough of that. Um, Mark, Battle, Menifield. I mentioned Devo, who's having a pretty good season. Probably a more impactful season, truthfully, for Devo Davis here at Arkansas so far as we talk some Razorback men's basketball with you here bright and early today. Josh Bertaccini with you. Bunker Studio, 90 Minutes Live, coming at you. Make sure to follow the show on the Podbean Live to get in there. YouTube, great way to get the video and audio stream on the post games and 
Heck, however you make it happen in podcast land later. If you're listening back on Apple or Spotify, Google, whatever. I appreciate the heck out of you for finding us today. But I thought Debo Davis, when he returned to this team, was perhaps the odd man out, truthfully. Remember, Debo had looked into the possibility of playing NBA basketball and had gotten the feedback, and it just wasn't really there. We weren't getting a lot of NBA scouts drooling over what Debo Davis brings to the table, which is a bit sad because I think Debo's a very interesting, unique basketball player who maximizes his skill set about as well as you can. And yet I'm not sure whether or not his skill set lends itself to being a professional player at the next level. But um, yeah, Debo's uh, Debo's a, a talented guy who can, you know, he's long, can finish at the rack with the left and the right, which is such a gift and do it, you know, from awkward angles. He's become a better shooter though. We've seen a little less of that this year. But uh, he's become a better shooter throughout his career. So you can you can get some buckets from him that way, like against Kansas when he was lights out in the tournament last year. He's tended to be a really clutch player. He's got that it factor in big games. Um, doesn't have a great handle. You know, doesn't take the best shots sometimes going to the rim. Um, really good defender. Kind of surprised he's not a more of a consistent rebounder, giving his bounciness. But look, Debo Davis, good all-around player. And so if he's your fourth, fifth best player, and I haven't even mentioned Trevon Brazil right now because he's been so up and down, kind of checked out at times. But, I mean, Brazil is going to be the highest drafted of all these guys, and he's like your fifth best player. Don't tell me this isn't a good basketball team, y'all. I had a guy yesterday try to tell me, it's not really a good basketball team. Really? It's not a good basketball team. Well, those are five players right there who should be able to take you pretty far. I mean, you got a good mix for a for a team that doesn't have a lot of a lot of basketball players. That's five of them, and, and you wonder whether or not we're going to see something different in conference play. I, I don't know. More focused, more fired up, less ticky tacky. What a bizarro season for for uh, TB two, who leads the team in rebounds at just under seven per game, but isn't even averaging double figures. Guy isn't even averaging ten points a game. Now, he's had a couple games when he was dinged up, out of the mix. That explains kind of the lack of production at times. But what's going on with Trevon Brazil? He seems more interested at times, to me, in getting a technical foul in some kind of a tit-for-tat pushing match with the other team. Multiple times this year, we've seen this not just once, like five or six times. Where's your head at? I mean, at some point, you're going to have NBA scouts asking that too. And I know everybody's different. You can't just judge them by their demeanor because you read too much into that. You get ripped apart at the poker table. Some guys just have poker faces. Looks like to see a little more intensity outwardly out of Brazil, firing some teammates up, getting people going. I don't know. He's, he's a strange player, Brazil. He's a strange player. I think he'll be a first-round draft pick. I think an NBA team is going to convince itself that they can figure him out psychologically, figure out what makes him tick, get him bigger and stronger. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, in the NBA, it's whether you can play or not. Can you play at that level? What an, high, what an elite high level of professional sports the NBA is. But can you play in that league? Are you big enough, strong enough, durable enough? Which is one of the biggest questions really about all athletes. 
are you durable enough? Get way too many people. Oh, if he wasn't hurt so much. That's the whole thing. Being durable, being able to take a licking and keep on ticking. If you can't play, you can't play. Trevon Brazil, at times, you question the durability and the focus. Look, he's he's got all the things you want. His jumper is silky smooth. The form looks right. He's shooting over 40% from three. That's going to lift his draft stock right there. So you know he's got the goods on the jumper. Um, about as good a leaper as there has been in college basketball the last four or five years. He's that good a jumper. I mean, the guy's dunk real alone. He's dunking a little less this year. I think trying not to get hurt, but maybe protective, more self-protective rather than trying not to get hurt. But be careful for that. I don't think we've seen Brazil take a next level. Uh, he blocks shots, sure. But is he a consistent one-on-one defender? Look, he's still only a year removed from a catastrophic knee injury. I think a guy like me takes that for granted now. If you're in Brazil's shoes, you're still trying to find your way. But it's been over a year now. You've been playing for the last couple months. I'd like to see TB take a next level here in conference play. Be a little bit more of a go-to player at times, which you've not seen yet out of him. Except for maybe once or twice. He had a good game against Duke. And then you won that game. Duke playing good basketball again. Just destroyed Syracuse down the stretch last night. Whatever that's worth. So, uh, that's five guys. I didn't mention any front court guys. Chandler Lawson, Makai Mitchell, Jalen Graham. There you go. Um, that's probably what you're going to have to do. It is just like piece it together. I think clearly the youngsters, Joe Pinion and Bayfall and even Lane Blocker are not, uh, not really in the rotation too much right now. And, and that makes sense because you knew Muscle was going to chop this thing way down. All right, ton of Razorback basketball talk. Question of the day today, up on the social media for you. What do you think as SEC play starts this week? What place will Razorback men's basketball finish in the SEC year? What place will Razorback hoops finish in the SEC this year? First, top three, best five, or bottom half? Good question. Early votes coming in there. And really appreciate your being on board today, my friends. All right. um, 40 minutes into the mix. Need to hit a break. We'll come back. Vinny Iyer, one of the best NFL writers on the planet. Talk some about the NFL playoff races as we shift gears for a few. On a New Year's week Wednesday. Getting that work in. Thank you so much for being here. Coming right back. We are rolling, and it's great to have you on board as we make it happen here on a New Year's Wednesday. Getting that work in as the year gets itself going. And good to see so many folks getting back after it here live on the show as you hop in the chat room, the Podbean live stream, live on our website too, therealnwajb.com. And a lot of good talk this morning as we have gotten into the mix and made it happen on so many different fronts. So here's what I'll say. Um, You got yourself a situation right now where the NFL postseason is going to be a ton of fun. So many good teams still jostling for position and trying to fight their way 
to whatever spot they're they're trying to finish in. Vinny Iyer joins us now from the Sporting News, one of my favorite NFL writers for a long time because he knows his stuff and amongst other things, he keeps it real. Vinny, happy new year to you. How are you, my friend? Happy new year. Thanks for having me. Well, you're always nice to find time for us, Vinny. Anytime you've got time for us, you know we've got time for you. And uh, just kind of leading into your spot here, thinking about one week left to go and how many teams, I guess, are technically still alive. Maybe not as many as people think. What do you make of the the fight for the last couple of wild cards here with one week left, Vinny? Let's start there. Yeah, this is what the league wants. They want a lot of drama in the final week and a lot of games that need something. And that's the case pretty much across the board. At least Ash, perhaps Brian tells a few. I guess you would say the Chiefs, Chargers, and Broncos, Rangers, who might not want the AFC West too much this week. And so they're a little drama there. But when we look everywhere else, I mean, the two South divisions still need to be decided. We're seeing if the Bills can either win the division or just fall out completely from the playoffs. I mean, that's crazy. They, they could move up to number two, but they could also be at like nine. <laughs> I mean, that's the interesting wide range of outcomes. I like it. I like the game. I like things coming down to the wire here. Darks, I think on Saturday will be interesting to see. That's the Ravens, right? A little gamesmanship. Do they want to rest their players? Help make it easier for the Steelers to win, knowing that maybe he'll knock Josh Allen and the Bills out of the playoffs. So there's a lot of uh, side plots going on as well. And then the Eagles, is it worth them trying to push for something that's not likely to happen to win the NCAA? Is it better for them to rest players? Clearly, when Jalen Hurts is really hurting. Well handled, Vinny, and I like how you set it up there. Uh, Eagles have free-fallen here the last few weeks and now tied with Dallas atop the East, and you know your audience here. You've been doing shows with me here in in Arkansas for years. You know this is Cowboys and Chiefs country when it comes to the NFL. Um, Dallas and Philly, one week to go. What are the scenarios there that they're playing for, Vinny, if you would? Yeah, it's very simple. The Cowboys beat the Commanders, and they're going to win the divisions. They control there. The Cardinals did them a big thing and beat the Eagles. It pushed the tiebreaker down to the top of checking. The Cowboys have more now. And the common games, I mean, we'll say here that the Jets uh, beat the Eagles. Then James come back to front the Eagles at this point. So when you look at it, if, yeah, it's going to be doom that they win. It's the Commanders, but it is a rivalry game. We know Cardinals, but the Eagles, anything can happen, right? It was leads. Like, the Cowboys are going to handle the others. And Eagles, if they're able to take advantage of a Cowboys loss, they'd have to beat the Giants to win the division and climb back up to number two. But again, based on what I'm hearing from Philadelphia, I think they're just presuming Dallas is going to handle business as double digit favorites on the road of Washington. And they're going to kind of take care of their. Settlement here because they're going to have to go on the road for the Super Bowl this afternoon. NFC title defense. So they'll open, what is it, two seed then if they win the division like we both expect them to? Is that what Dallas would be? Yeah, they would get the two. I would have to see what the matchup is right now because they would uh, jump ahead, obviously, the Lions if the Lions are stuck there. But there's a potential, of course, of the Lions. And the Rams meeting up, but then we'd have to see who's the last team in. But there's a decent matchup that might be lining up. There's Green Bay with Chicago. 
if the Cowboys win, you're going to have Mike McCarthy versus the Packers in the first round of play. Mm, that would be awesome. Should we ever get a straight story on what happened in, on that uh, report, non-report at the end of the Lions-Cowboys game? Do we ever get a straight story, do you think, Finney? Uh, I think they probably need to be doing some filters to say, well, okay, this guy may report a long territory and all that. But I think from that sense, it's such a procedural penalty that I think that you just expect teams to do it the right way there. And it would be weird if they got penalty themselves. I feel like maybe the Lions got a little closed on that, but again, I don't think the Cowboys fans are complaining. And, they're kind of happy that the line were aggressive and things up that and so forth and overtime because you don't know what would have Why is San Francisco coming back to the pack so much the last few weeks? One thing is they're also battling some injuries. I mean, they're not some of that, but the players, these guys are still playing, but we have a Trent Williams injury that did not help in the middle of the Ravens game. He came back in a real quick in the final game, but this is a team that I think really needs that rest. And this McCaffrey's been a long season. They definitely immediately declared him out here for weeks and two. There's no reason to rest him. That's the Rams. The Rams are going to be resting players, too. So that's going to be one of the weird, meaningless games of two playoff teams here in week 18. So I think the biggest thing is the 49ers. I, I think this is maybe the Andre part of being the number one seed for the 49ers and Ravens. It's a free ticket for the next round. When you get to buy, but then you don't also have to play that game where the chances of being upset are less if you have to play less games. So I, I think they're really enjoying that. And I think when you look at it, the matchups could line up really well for them because they could be facing a pretty weak fantasy South winner in that second round, which is a big reason to get that buy. The same thing here with the Ravens. They're going to get the winner of the AFC South, and that's going to really help them potentially uh, get to the championship game a lot easier. Talking with Vinny Iyer, one of the rock star NFL reporters on the planet. Good friend ours for a long time. So nice to hang out with him for a few. Great info out of Vinny as always. At Vinny Iyer, I-Y-E-R. On the tweets or the X or whatever they're calling it these days. A couple more, Vinny, I'll let you go. So much good stuff out of you, and I appreciate your time. What about the Rams? If I say the Rams are a legit Super Bowl contender this year, are you going to laugh at me or are you going to buy it right now? Because obviously they're playing well lately. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about them is I don't think they're going to be hold Now, they're very good against the Rams. But you give up a lot of big class plays. You look at the makeup of some of these teams. San Francisco with the receivers, Philadelphia, Dallas. You know, Dallas really kicking to the Rams early in the season. So these top heavyweight contenders here, including the Lions, I mean, I think they can do really advantage and take care of the Rams, even though that revenge game and the Messi Stafford. So look at it as like that's going to be the key for the Rams making a run. Can they get just enough pass defense and a pass rush? Their coverage is uh, pretty weak here, so that's going to be the one thing that's going to hold them back. I like the other one, obviously, when they had a lot of pass rush help and uh, Jalen Ramsey. Let's swing it to the Ravens in the AFC because, as you mentioned, they've been the uh, you know the hottest team in the league, thirteen and three. They had the best record in the league, and man, the the demolition derby they put on the Niners on the road two weeks ago, and then against Miami last week at home. I mean, they've lost so many running backs. Vinny, it almost doesn't make sense, but Lamar Jackson, I mean, proven he was worth every penny, has gotten better and better as the season's gone on. 
And uh, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of questions to answer in the playoffs. You and I both know that, Vinny. But how about the Ravens at thirteen and three, and their defense is looking scary all over again too? Really great to see because I think you have to give credit. I know there was a lot of coach of the year buzz for a lot of different guys. Kevin Stefanski is obviously in the clubhouse leading because of what he's on the dots. I'm a day too close because no one had a lot of influence in the match. But if you look at what John Arbuck did, switching the offense, it was a bold move, right? Greg Roman and attaching the him is what helped Lamar Jackson from the team just two years ago. But we realized we needed to go in this direction. We got a pass cutter, we got to add Zay Flowers. We got to be a legitimate passer. We're not putting Lamar Jackson arms way. We paid a lot of money these guys. Thanks to the real everything. So they get Todd Munson. They go get a defensive uh, coordinator that fits on Michigan that really kind of is a rising star in the league. And they figured out how to get a pass rush going at the highest level with two guys So you've got to carry the hard ball. I mean, coaching staff changes here in recent years where. They're maximizing the talent that they have. They know who they are, and they really play up to that. So I, I think that's why the Ravens are where they're at. Now, of course, Ravens fans are going to be nervous because they've been in this position before with Jackson, and it hasn't always worked out. But Ravens buy is huge. Now, again, they can sit back, see who they get, and potentially could be, as I mentioned, for the AFC South winner. It's not. You're going to get. Bill Fletcher and the Browns coming into Baltimore, and we'll try to spoil things. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a story against his old boys who he, who he got a Super Bowl with? Um, who's the biggest threat to the Ra- Is it the Browns? Maybe it's the dysfunctional Chiefs, Bills, Dolphins don't, don't look great. Who's the biggest threat to the Ravens in the AFC, Vinny? I think it's always going to be the answer the Chiefs. <laughs> Until you slay this dragon and Patrick Mahomes is eliminated, not there, then you can start to feel comfortable about your campus. But if you're rooming there, and that defense is there as well, uh, it wouldn't feel great about it. So maybe they'll get a favor here and uh, the Chiefs will rest player. Maybe the, the team will jump them or something in the playoffs. But when you look at it, the Chiefs uh, probably headed to a pretty good matchup in the first round here, whether you look at the Steelers or or Colts or Texans, something like that, to help them. So I just would be very nervous as long as Mahomes is not eliminated. <laughs> How could you not be? I mean, the guy has been so incredible in the playoffs in his first, uh, what, four or five years here. All right, I'm going to let you get out of here. Vinny Iyer, V-I-N-N-I-E-I-Y-E-R, on the tweets, Sporting News, NFL Scribe. Great way to get our first Wednesday of the year going. We'll get up on the podcast in a bit. Vinny, big fan of yours. You know that. Thanks for being my friend, bud. Have a great year. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks a lot, JB. Have a good one. You too, buddy. No, he's fantastic. Great to get a spot out of him. Let him get out of here. And fuck, I mean, right now, when you look at the NFL, there's so many reasons to believe that, um, you know, that that, that the Ravens are the best team. But like Vinny said, just because they look like the best team does not mean that they're not going to fall on their faces in the postseason all over again, right? They have had such a history of, of choking there. And until they answer the bell there, we'll see. We'll see. All right, question of the day today. What place will Razorback men's basketball finish in the SEC this year? What place will they finish in the SEC this year? First, top three, best five, or bottom half? What about DJ coming at me? Top seven and barely make the tournament. Why so negative, baby?
barely make the tournament. That's weird. Um, that doesn't sound objective, DJ. They make the tournament every year. With Moss. Have you been watching? Uh, Kevin writes in. This basketball team has been so up and down, and yet the real season starts this week. I'm excited. How about our question today? Stats here. 50% of y'all say best five in the league. 23% top three. 7% say first place. And then we've got in the very bottom half. One out of four at 25%. Interesting voting coming through there. Facebook crew getting in as well. Rod says six or seven. Chuck top five. Tracy best five. Jack best five. It starts on Saturday against Auburn, baby. Arkansas and Auburn at one o'clock. Stripe out in effect. Talked a lot about the rotation earlier on the show today. And uh, this is a big basketball game. We'll do our post-game thing for you, people's post-game. What, 10 minutes after the game wraps up, so think, thinking right around 3 o'clock is when we'll make that happen on Saturday. All right? Okay. And on every Saturday for the next three months, as you know, work. Wednesday work. Speaking of work, we need to take a break. Top of the hour, 8 o'clock, we'll come back. Jackson Collier on some hog hoop. It joins us. Hour to work with live in studio, the Bunker Studio. And we're coming right back.